0: This podcast is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to From Crime to Crime. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Great. You ready to get into a murder?
1: There's been a murder (laughs) in South Carolina.
0: Yeah. So, this episode was highly requested, and we kind of avoided doing it during the trial because, if we're being honest, it was pretty annoying. <laughs> there was a lot of back and forth. Yeah. But you insisted. So, here we are doing it anyway.
1: I did insist. I thought this was a, was a really interesting case. And here's the best part I don't know all about it, even though I really wanted to do it, but I wanted to know all about it. So, I was like, hey, I have a true crime podcast. I'll just have Erica tell
0: me. Yeah. So, the Murda, Murdog, Murdoch family, however the hell. You want to say it? Murder. They're obviously... The murder family. Like, they're obviously not big on pronunciation, so I don't think it matters. But (laughs) they were a pretty well-respected and prominent family in the low country of South Carolina. And respected or feared, I don't know, however you want to say. But it all started with Randolph Murdoch Sr. And he graduated law school in 1910. And he started his law firm in the city of Hampton, South Carolina, where he became the city attorney. And in 1912, 16 and 18, he was a delegate for Hampton County to the Democratic Party State Convention, which I don't know what all this means, but he was like a big to do guy.
1: Yeah. It sounds like he had a lot of a lot of wealthy friends. Yeah.
0: He was a Freemason and a member of the benevolent. Oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And a member of the benevolent and protective order of the Elks. Yeah, he was. And a couple other lesser-known fraternities. So you know he's got a few secret handshakes in his repertoire, <laughs> is what we're saying.
1: He's a part of the inner circle. Yeah. And he's definitely friends with heads of state.
0: Yeah. So in 1920, he won the endorsement of the Hampton County Democratic Party, and after a runoff, he became the solicitor for the 14th District of South Carolina. And solicitor is just like a Southern name for prosecutor, really. Well, it's not a good one.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of signs that say no solicitation. <laughs>
0: yeah. Different kind. But yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he was the solicitor for 20 years until his mysterious death in 1940. There was another murder in Savannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was actually hit by a train in his car. And there's some speculation that it was suicide because he was ill. Like, he'd been in and out of the hospital and had some terminal illnesses. Oh. And so there's some speculation that he kind of, like, drove up there and parked on the train tracks on purpose. But his son ended up suing the railroad company and got some kind of undisclosed amount of money.
1: Oh, so they had money on top of money. Like, yeah. Like,
0: they already had money. Yeah.
1: And then they were like, hey, let's have some more money. And they're like, here's more money.
0: Yes. So okay. after his death in 1940, his son Randolph Murdaugh Jr., took over (laughs) yeah this is gonna be real confusing for you bud because they're all named Randolph so
1: oh but Randolph is such a snooty name too like it they sound like you know I'm Randolph Murdoch yeah that's how they sound old money yeah yeah
0: so Randolph Murdoch Jr. took over as solicitor after his dad in 1940 um, but they call him Buster All right, cool. Yeah, don't get confused because there's another Buster later, but this one's the I old know. Buster. It,
1: it, right. Is Buster a traditional nickname for uh, Randolph? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I just didn't know.
0: No. He got that nickname. Apparently, he was like pretty good in football in college, oh, so he got the he nickname Buster. Buster. I, yeah. I don't know. These guys all go to the University of South Carolina. Gamecocks. Yeah, I was going to say they call it USC, but it's not like the real USC that you know.
1: No, they walk around there and say,
0: Go cocks. Okay. Well, <laughs> they're the game Okay. You could say it as many times as you want. It doesn't make it awesome, <laughs> <laughs> it makes it funny. Okay. <laughs> So Go Cox. So Buster takes over for his daddy as solicitor in 1940, and he keeps that position for 46 years until he retires in 1986. And Buster, like his daddy, is well known and respected at first. He does a pretty good job as solicitor, and he does a significant amount for the community. And he keeps his father's private law firm going, which is a big deal. They're real into the civil lawsuits with the private firm. It's how they make their money. And he's also the president of the Hampton Young Democrats, and in his 46 years as solicitor, he was only opposed twice, and he still won. Wow. Either somewhat well-respected or maybe a little bit feared or just kind of one of those bad things just keep going. I don't know. I mean, it's a
1: small area, right? Yeah. So, big fish, small pond?
0: Yes, And he was known for his antics in the courtroom. He could be a bit of a drama queen, if you might say. And he was brought up against the South Carolina Supreme Court a couple of times for some of his charades in the courtroom.
1: Do we have any examples?
0: Yeah, like one time he told a jury that if they acquitted a rapist, that he would just let all the other rapists out of jail. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, you know, stuff like that. He was just real big on antics. He would like act out murders in front of the jury, like real dramatic like oh he would
1: have loved this case
0: yeah he (laughs) would (laughs) have so it wasn't until 1956 that he was indicted by a grand jury for tipping off a bootlegger to move his moonshine still to a different county to avoid the atf raids dope yeah so he was acquitted of these charges but the stain was now on the family name kind of that you scratch my back i scratch yours we're all high society we do what we want type thing above the law if you will Their reputation wasn't super bad yet, though, just like the normal, you know, generations of men in the same powerful position with tons of money get accused of. Yeah. No, this this is pretty normal behavior in America. Like we're,
1: we're very familiar.
0: Yeah. So and like you said, their money didn't come from being a solicitor. That's just where the power comes from. That's where they know all the judges and all the district attorneys and all the lawyers, everybody. Their money comes from the family's private law firm that was started by the first Randolph in 1910. And they focused on, like, civil suits. So they know people from both sides. Judges, lawyers, law enforcement on the solicitor side. And then the people of Hampton, South Carolina on the other side because they're representing them in lawsuits. This guy in everything. Yeah, their reputation wasn't all bad, though, because when he finally retired in 1986, he was succeeded by his son, Randolph Murdoch III, (laughs) and this Randolph they call Handsome. (laughs) Like, that's his nickname. Oh, awesome. And I'm like 150% sure he gave this to himself, because it wasn't like one of those ones that like came natural, like, oh, he was real good looking. Like Buster? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe it was one of those like ironic nicknames, like when a huge guy's nickname is tiny. Maybe it's like one of those.
1: Was he one of those? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: he was was one of the opposite kind of guys. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So just so you have a visual. So by this point, you have Randolph, Buster and now Handsome. (laughs)
1: Okay.
0: So this Handsome Randolph would serve as solicitor unopposed for 20 more years from 1986 until 2006. So if we're keeping this straight, that's 86 straight years of Murda's being the solicitor for the 14th District of South Carolina. That's a lot of Murda's. Yeah. So Handsome had a okay reputation, still rumors of corruption and letting his friends and family pretty much do whatever they want and covering it up. But it was probably a little bit better than his daddy's rep because, I mean, he wasn't ever indicted for tipping off moonshiners, I guess, so... I mean, it might have been a little better, but still rumors of bad stuff. And he served as president of the South Carolina Solicitors Association and was on the board of directors for the National District Attorneys Association. So he couldn't have been all bad. No, he... He definitely got around, or he, or he was all bad. <laughs> yeah, good. Either way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he also received the Order of the Palmetto for his work as the solicitor. So.
1: What- <laughs> what is what is the birthright to the Order of the Palmetto or whatever? <laughs> what did he win?
0: The Order of the Palmetto. It's the highest civilian honor awarded by the governor of South Carolina, and it's awarded to a oh. South Carolina citizen who demonstrates extraordinary lifetime achievement, service, and contributions of national or statewide significance. So sure. it, it's given to, like, good South Carolinans that, like, do something good, pretty much. Oh, all right. Well Yeah, so it sounds like he did a good job as solicitor or his buddies were governor. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Hootie and the Blowfish also got this award, so I don't know. <laughs> So Draw your own conclusions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got it though for their charitable acts, not just for being Hootie and the Blowfish. <laughs> So when he retired in 2006, handsome, that was the end of the Murdaugh reign as solicitor because his kids were not good enough to be solicitor. Hey,
1: man, that's a good, pretty good run. Yeah. Three generations.
0: Yeah. He went back into private practice at the family firm along with two of his three sons, Randolph fourth, who didn't follow in his dad's footsteps as solicitor, and Richard Alexander Murdaugh, who for no reason except he's a douchebag, goes by Alec. <laughs> But like it's still spelled Alex, right? Like I don't know. I think is it it's Alec Murdoch, right? Murda. It's Alec? Or is it Alex? His name is Richard Alexander Murdoch. But he goes by Alex or Alec. Alec. Huh. I don't know. I don't like Did they him. ever go by Dick? He should have.
1: Well, he's probably go- going to be now.
0: So they would be volunteer solicitors at some point, but never held the office of solicitor. So by 2019, the family law firm is thriving. And Randolph IV and Alec both work there. Their father was retired at some point, but still around. He and their mother Libby live on... On a piece of property called Almeda, because they're some of those people that name their properties. You know how we love that? Like Magnolia Farms? Yeah, or like Libby Park. Oh, oh, yeah, like us. <laughs> yeah, like you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, so his parents live, their property is called Almeda, and his mom has Alzheimer's and his dad's getting older, but Alec and his children will end up being the end of this Murdaugh dynasty or tragedy, uh, whatever you want to call it. So powerhouse. Yeah. Power couple. Power family. Yeah. So we need to get Powerballs. In- <laughs> <laughs> so So we need stop. So we need to get into their immediate family. Alex, Alec met a lady in college named Maggie, and they got married and had two sons. Richard Alexander Murdaugh Jr., who goes by Buster, like his great-grandfather. Okay. And their younger son, Paul Terry Murda, who goes by Paul or Paul Terry or Papa or Papa. <laughs> is it Paul Paul or Papa? Oh, I thought it was Paul Paul.
1: Oh, I thought it was Papa. Is it Paul Paul? Oh, I I, just, pa- I Paul thought Paul was... Paul's a stupid name. <laughs> yeah. like, I gotta so be is, honest. I mean, so
0: is Papa though. That's like what you would call your grandfather, not your baby. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's still
1: stupid, but I mean, Paul Paul just like sounds like you got to stutter, like
0: Paul Paul. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? They've described Buster and Paw Paw. See, now I can't do it. They've described <laughs> Richard Alexander Murdoch Jr. and Paul Terry Murdoch <laughs> as rowdy boys with zero discipline. They were spoiled rotten, and their parents, Maggie and Alec, gave them everything they ever wanted and then some. And they were also the type that like made excuses for them and cleaned up after them and stuff like that. Like I they believe that. Zero responsibility growing up by the time this kind of money hits like four or five generations like there's no respect
1: for it you know like they 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 didn't earn it right exactly it's just always been there so yeah there's no
0: like you got to earn this kind of thing like so maggie has been described as nice and pleasant but caring (laughs) a lot about wealth and status and her position in the community
1: i don't think pleasant is the best way to like the nicest way
0: like oh she's pleasant means like that could take her or leave her yeah you know she's Whatever. That's pretty much the idea that I got was that she kind of thought she was better than everybody. Oh, okay. So she didn't have a lot of friends. She was really close with her sister and her family because her sister had more money than they did, so. Oh, wonderful. There's just money flying all over this place. Yeah, her sister married better than Maggie did. Well, obviously, because we'll see what ends up here. But Alec, on the other hand, was not much of a looker like his daddy, handsome, but <laughs> he's been described as charming, which that's how they describe Tim Bunny, too. So <laughs> sometimes people describe me as charming. Yeah, but mostly they use that term for serial killers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> So not only monetarily did they give Buster and Paul whatever they wanted, but they also let them do whatever they wanted. They provided alcohol and places to party for them and their friends, even at a young age, like early teens, when that shouldn't be going on. No. It was just one of those, you know, rich kids doing whatever they want. Yeah, it just kind of sounds like money being money. Yeah. You know? So they had a house in the city of Hampton, South Carolina, where the law firm was. And then they had a summer beach house in Edisto. And then they had Moselle. And Moselle is like a 1,700-acre hunting property just outside of Hampton. How big? 1,700 acres. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. Actually, it was like 1792. God, that is
1: massive. And this is just protected land for them to go hunting on? And so like, if a deer or, or whatever stumbles into this land?
0: Yeah, there's buildings, though, and houses and stuff. Like, they they bought a house that's on 1,700-and-something acres, and most of the property is hunting property. It's woods and and two-and-a-half miles of riverfront access, swamps, duck blinds, dove fields. They have an airstrip, these weird dog kennels where they keep their hunting dogs and their family dogs.
1: Yeah, I saw that. I didn't like that a whole lot.
0: Yeah, and then a big, beautiful home that was built, like, just in 2011— And they bought it like two years later. So it was like a brand new house that was built on there. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece of property. And they call it Moselle. Any idea how much that costs? I don't know. It's South Carolina. I don't really know their real estate. So it could be like $5 million or like 8 bucks. I have no idea. Yeah. So in February of 2019, underage Papa took his brother Buster's ID and his daddy's boat and he loaded his girlfriend and two other couples that they were close with, all teenagers. And they were all friends. It was like three couples. They were going on a date night. And they decided to take the boat to an oyster roast up the river because they had heard there was going to be DUI checkpoints on the highways. So they're like, let's just take the boat.
1: This is so, like, ridiculous. Like, one, an oyster roast sounds disgusting. Yeah. And two, like, these teenagers are just getting getting drunk
0: and going by waterway. Yeah, like, what in the Dawson's Creek is going on here? This is ridiculous. At about 1 a.m. on their way back from the oyster roast, they stopped at a dockside bar somewhere along the river and were taking shots. Sure. And all on board the boat. And the video surveillance from the dock all agree that Paul was drunker than a skunk. His blood alcohol would be taken later at the hospital and it was like three times the legal limit. Wow. Yeah, and apparently they call him Timmy when he gets this drunk because they say he's like a totally different person. Ooh. Yeah, so at 19 he already has like an alter ego for his drunken shenanigans. That's pretty sad. But they said that they all begged him not to drive. When they went to get back on the boat to go back home, because he was that drunk that they were calling him Timmy, he was being a dick. But he was adamant that it was his boat and he was going to drive, according to the rest of them that were on the boat. Apparently things escalated once on the boat, and there was a lot of yelling and screaming. His girlfriend Morgan has said in interviews that he spit on her and slapped her, and wow. then gunned the throttle. Like, just... Oh. Just what you want. Yeah. So shortly after that happened, the boat slammed into a bridge piling and all six of the teenagers were tossed around, thrown into the water, injured on the boat.
1: Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, dumb stuff like this happens when people get behind the boats or throttles or whatever of cars and does stuff like this. This is terrible. Yeah. These guys just had like no rules, like anything, anything went for them.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, only five of the six kids made it back out of the water. 19-year-old Mallory Beach was nowhere to be found. What? Yeah. Did they ever find her? It would take a while. So the other kids all went to the hospital, except Mallory's boyfriend, Anthony. He wouldn't leave the river. Even though he was injured, he was like, no, I'm going to stay here till we find her. And the interference by the Murdaugh family started immediately. The Murdaugh's were at the scene, they were at the hospital, they were telling the kids that were in the boat, like, don't say who was driving, don't tell the cops that Connor was driving. They were, like, insinuating that one of the other kids was driving the boat, not Paul. Even though it was not anybody else's boat but their own. Right, and Paul was driving. Uh, right, of course. But they, even at the hospital, were telling these kids, like, don't say who was driving. They were telling the law enforcement that was there who was the their friends like don't interview them right now they're they've been drinking we represent them you know like as oh, lawyers
1: wow. even though they
0: didn't you know so it was really bad the the involvement with the Murdos was like immediate the parents of some of the other kids that were involved in the accident and even the girl who passed away her mom wanted to see the boat and where the accident happened and it was all cordoned off like with police tape and everything and she tried to go down there and they were like no ma'am it's a police scene you can't come in here whatever and then like right after she watched Maggie Murdaugh drive right in down to the scene oh no way yeah and she's like well what the hell her son was the one driving the boat if anybody shouldn't be allowed in there, it's her. You know, my kid's missing. Yeah, no kidding, right? Yeah, so the Murdos were pretty insistent right away that Paul was not driving the boat. Even though all the other kids on the boat were like, of course he was driving the boat. It was his boat. Yeah. And the scene wasn't treated as a crime. It was treated as a missing kid in the water, you know. And they were looking for her, search and rescue teams, everything. But nothing was treated as a crime scene. <sighs>
1: yeah. There was yeah. no
0: real investigation. There should have been an investigation into the crash and there was no real investigation. Right. So seven days later on March 3rd, 2019 Mallory's body was found five miles down the river and her autopsy would later reveal that she suffered blunt force trauma to the head and then drowned. Yeah. Which is devastating. Because I mean, she was young. She was at the prime of her life. You know, this, there's a documentary on Netflix and they go real deep into this boating accident and the five kids that were on the boat with him and they're all extremely affected by this accident. Oh, hell yeah. This is life-changing for them. So, eventually, Paul was charged with three counts related to the accident and Mallory's death, which was kind of unheard of. Everybody thought he would definitely get away with this. And the Murdos did everything they could to make sure this went away and that he got away with it, but it wasn't going to. So, they hired Dick Harpootlian, who is the (laughs) Democratic state senator for South Carolina, he's representing Paul in this boating accident trial. How does he have time? I don't know. How is he ever going to get reelected if people connect him with the Murdaugh's? I don't know. Yeah, it just seems weird to me. It seems like political suicide. Maybe he was tired of running. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, Paul's finally in trouble for something, which is great. But it's still not the usual way this would go down for anybody else. Like, most people would have been arrested when they were charged with DUI causing a fatality. Sure. And then you would have to, like, bail out and all that kind of stuff. But pretty much every law enforcement agency around recused themselves from this judges and police officers and everything because they all knew the Murdoch so he never got locked up or anything he got to take his mugshot in like a regular polo shirt and he just had to like appear in court and he pled not guilty and was released on bail so it's like he never did any jail time or anything he didn't even have to get like locked up and booked no consequence for anything that he does yeah So, in the following months, waiting for the court stuff to play out and some justice to be served, you would think the Murdochs would have been on, like, their best behavior. Do you call them the Murdochs? Yeah, whatever. I I don't—Murdochs? Whatever you want to say. I think it's Murdoch, but I like Murdochs. Yeah. But instead of being on their best behavior, they just kept being Murdochs. They kept trying to muddy the water and say somebody else was driving. It was total bullshit. Paul was seen drinking and partying, getting pulled over for speeding. Like, he was still just the same hot mess. Then Buster, his older brother, gets expelled from USC for plagiarism. Oh. And allegedly, Alec paid like $60,000 to get him reinstated. But then a civil lawsuit is filed against the Murdochs from the Beach family over the wrongful death of Mallory. Because they really thought the death of their daughter was going to get covered up. Because that's the way everything was being handled. So they didn't think that the criminal charges were ever going to be a thing.
1: Well, and it sounds like these are the types of people that would cover something like this up and have the connections to do so.
0: Right. So they filed a civil lawsuit. So shit is hitting the fan is the point. The Murdaugh's are literally spinning out of control. Maggie is starting to notice money issues that they're having and allegedly hired a forensic accountant and possibly a divorce attorney. But the community is like turning against them. The Murdo name, if it wasn't already associated with corruption and allegations of criminal misconduct, it certainly is now.
1: Yeah,
0: I bet. Yeah, they're under an extreme microscope. And the general thought is Paul is a spoiled rich kid whose parents clean up after him. And this might just be the tip of the iceberg as far as the rumors of other wrongdoings that the family has done. So other things start to come up, like the death of their housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, the year before. She died of a head injury after slipping and falling at their Moselle property. That seems convenient. And her death was ruled natural causes somehow, even though it was a trip and fall. And no autopsy was performed. But yet she had, like, a ton of broken bones and ribs and a head injury. She fell down stairs? Yeah. The front steps of the house, which is not a flight of stairs. It's just a couple of stairs. Mm. So not a whole lot of that is adding up now. You know, with hindsight to see how evil these people are, it's like, oh, that's not adding up. And Alex sued his own insurance company and won millions of dollars for Gloria Satterfield's kids. But the problem is he never told them that they won four point something million dollars. He just took the money.
1: Oh, there you go.
0: So by June of twenty twenty two, law enforcement decided to reopen her death investigation and they announced the approval to exhume her body to do an autopsy but to this day they still haven't done it i hate when they i know
1: days and bodies
0: and but they've been a little busy we'll find out what they've been doing besides that alec and the murdos keep them pretty busy here for the next like year and a half so <laughs> i believe <that. laughs> yeah spoiler alert yeah Another interesting thing that comes back up after all of this was the 2015 death of a guy named Steven Smith. He was 19 years old and a classmate of Buster's, the older Murdoch kid, and he was found on a rural road in Hampton County, and his cause of death was ruled blunt force trauma, possibly a hit and run, but a hit and run doesn't really add up with his injuries, so that's kind of awkward. There's a lot of suspicious activity going on around here. Yeah, and a lot of the interviews surrounding his death mention that him and Buster had a some sort of relationship. And Stephen Smith was openly gay, and so the insinuation is that him and Buster had an intimate relationship. Oh. But it could have been a motive for why he might have been killed. By the Murdaugh's. To cover up him being gay? Yes. Oh my god, who cares? Yeah, well, these people, maybe. So by June of 2021, after some more of this stuff goes on, SLED, which is the uh, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, would reopen the investigation into Smith's death based on evidence they found at the Moselle property. They haven't filed any new charges, but they say they've found evidence of something to do with Smith's murder. So that's a little hanky.
1: Yeah. Draw your own conclusion there what that might be.
0: Yep. So with all of these old skeletons coming back to haunt him and the civil lawsuit that he's definitely going to lose because it was 100% his boat and his kid and his insurance, (laughs) you know.
1: And his fault.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's in pretty severe financial situation. A lot of these scandals and these embezzlement rumors, like of him stealing millions from his clients, are starting to surface by June of 2021. I don't know how he's literally stealing millions of dollars at a time from his clients, but somehow he's still broke. And there was a court date coming up with a civil lawsuit that was about to compel him to have to show his financials which was a big problem because his financials are not on the up and up.
1: Yeah, they're a mess.
0: Yes. So this brings us to June 7th, 2021. At 10.07 p.m., Alec calls 911 and says that he just got home to Mazel and he found his wife and son, Paul, murdered at their dog kennels, which is on their property, you know, just right. a short distance from the house. The 911 calls are obnoxious but are available to listen to. But it's total chaos. Dogs barking, Alec talking in this weird, screechy, high-pitched tone that isn't crying, but almost like how you would act when you were trying to pretend like you were crying, but you weren't really crying. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, that's suspicious. Yeah, so the first responders arrived, and it was not really treated as a murder scene, kind of like how the boat accident wasn't treated as a crime. People were allowed in and out. There was tons of people coming to the property. The authorities said they secured the scene in less than a minute, which I don't know how you secure a 1,800-acre property in less than a minute. Yeah,
1: <laughs> maybe with drones, helicopters. Yeah, they just,
0: like, walked in. And they were like, yeah, it's cool. The murderer's gone. It's like, how do you know? <laughs> Have you even looked behind a tree? So the original investigators that should be like in charge of this scene recuse themselves right away because they're like oh we're best friends with the Murdaz, you know, like all the local authorities. They're like Yeah, we, we got this. Yeah, they're like we can't do anything about this. And so they recuse themselves right away and brought in SLED, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. Who would probably be better equipped to handle a double murder anyway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, um, but even when SLED came in, they didn't really, like, buckle down either. I mean, they did better than the local authorities, but they still allowed the family access to Moselle. and
1: Yeah, they just kind of went for
0: it. Yeah, and the Murdaws were being cooperative. Like, they were letting them have access to the house, which was part of it. They didn't want to, like, mess that up by being like, okay, well, we need to search it. and But so that it almost came across like the Murdaws were like, yeah, we'll let you look in this room and that room, but maybe not this room, you know? <laughs> Like, they were kind of leading the searches.
1: They're used to that. They're used to calling the shots and all this kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So Maggie and Paul's murders hit the news immediately because the boating accident and Mallory's death and everything was already a big deal. People were already talking about Gloria Satterfield's murder or death and Stephen Smith's murder and so when Maggie and Paul are murdered it is big news immediately right away even the night of the murder Elec was already pushing the boat crash as a motive that somebody must have been after them because of that really yes he said that was the first thing he said to the the responding officer on the scene he was like "Do you know, you know what happened here you know and he's like I don't know my son was involved in a boating accident and people are really mad at us about that like he put that out there right away that it had something to do with the boating oh wow
1: he was creating an alibi real well not an alibi but
0: a narrative he'd been
1: thinking about it
0: yep so then it comes out that alec is broke and has a real big drug problem opioids and he's stealing from his clients and spending millions of dollars on drugs somehow that's impressive and people are like buying this they're like oh yeah this multi-millionaire has a drug problem so all of a sudden he's broke it's like what in one of the interviews that I watched, one of the attorneys for the civil lawsuit, he's like, do you know how much money that he stole from his clients? Not only that he made because he was a wealthy guy, but just the money that he stole would have been like one hundred and ten years of drugs. Like, Gosh, like there's no way. But that's beside the point. So where was all this money going if it wasn't going
1: to drugs? Cause I certainly thought that's where it was going. But you're right. That's a lot of money.
0: We did. We still don't know. We're, we're going to oh. find out later. But not later this episode, but later in life, we're going to find out. Because he's still going to have to deal with all the financial crimes. Oh, interesting. But this is part of his narrative, is that he's broke, he owes drug dealers money, he owes these people money in the civil suit, you know, somebody's after them. That's his like narrative. Is that maybe somebody behind his drug problem or the lawsuits were after him and his family? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, yeah. maybe. So then the the murders happen on a Monday. So then the Thursday after the murders happen, Handsome passes away. You know, Alex's dad, Handsome. He passes right. away. So, which he was sick and he was in the hospital. He has dementia, or his mom does or something, right? His mom has Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Yes. But Hansom was in bad health, and he had already been in the hospital, so three days after the murder, he passes away, which is sad. But now people are starting to feel bad for Alec. Like, his wife and his son just got murdered and then his dad dies. And he's got this severe drug problem and he's broke. Like, he's really playing the sympathy card up pretty heavy. Well, and his mom has dementia or uh,
1: Alzheimer's. Like, this, uh, there's a lot going on for him.
0: Yeah. It gets better, though. Because on Labor Day weekend, Saturday, September 4th, so a couple months after the murders, another 911 call comes in. Alec was changing a tire on the side of a rural road and somebody shot him in the head. What? Yes. I haven't heard any of that. Yeah, that's yeah okay he was airlifted to one of two hospitals we don't really know which one because his lawyers kind of gave a roundabout said he was at one hospital when he was at a different one it was kind of weird okay and but miraculously he survived without really any injuries. so we still don't really know what's going on with that shot in the head thing and there was no like wound well I mean he said there was but he had a court appearance 13 days later and there there was no evidence of any shot to the head so
1: all I, right yeah
0: yeah <laughs> well, sounds legit yeah and his lawyers started releasing things to the media about him being, like I said, him being in one hospital, but he was really at another one. And then they were talking all about his drug use and all that kind of stuff. It was like, what are you talking about? And then they announced two days after the shooting that he's going to rehab because oh, his drug use is so bad. Then they arrest a guy that they say is his drug dealer, though he doesn't really have a record of being any involved in any kind of drugs. But they charged this guy for shooting Alec on the side of the road. Oh, But interestingly, they charge him for assisting in a suicide and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. Oh. So now they're saying that Alec wanted to off himself so that Buster would get $10 million in life insurance and would be set. So they're trying to say Alec is suicidal about losing his family and all this kind of stuff and that he wanted to do it this way so that Buster would still get life insurance, which is Super scammy. Well, yeah. (laughs) Like this whole thing was a setup. And him and Eddie are treated real differently when they get arrested for being involved in the same thing. Like their bail amounts are totally different. Alex, Alex gets like real cheap bail and gets let out. This other guy gets like cash bail that he can't pay. He's still in jail. Oh, no kidding. It's been like two years and he's still in jail, that other guy for this yeah, well, conspiracy Alec is thing. Too, so. yeah but he wasn't he got out for this right so it's kind of weird a few days later his law firm the one that his great great grandfather or great grandfather the, the first Randolph started in 1910 his great grandfather then yeah his law firm announces that they fired him Oh, well, that that was unexpected. Yeah, because apparently he's been stealing millions of dollars from clients and they're like out in the open about that. They're like, yeah, he's been misappropriating funds. We're done with him. So, like I said, him and Eddie are treated real different in jail, which is really awkward. So he's out in October when he was arrested again at a rehab for stealing the $4 million payout that was supposed to go to the housekeeper, Glorious Kids. So in December, a judge set his bond at $7 million, and he agreed to pay the $4 million to Glorious Kids. So it's like, hey, I thought you were broke. Where do you have $4 million? (laughs) Right then in june of 2022 he was indicted on the charges for the conspiracy to commit insurance fraud and all that stuff for the getting shot in the head thing right and some sort of narcotics charges for oxycodone so shit's starting to really implode for alex but he's still getting like real special treatment every time he's arrested and let out but by july 14th 2022 he was finally indicted on two counts of murder For Maggie and Paul. So over a year after their death. By this point it's shocking because you don't want to think a dad could shoot his son and his wife. Seriously. Especially in the way that they ended up like their autopsies ended up coming out that Paul was shot twice with a shotgun once in the chest and once in the hand and the head and Maggie was shot with an AR-15 a bunch of times like including in the back like she was running away.
1: Well so I did kind of see like a diagram of this today before we did this and so with Maggie what they're saying is she was shot with that AR-15 in the front and because of like where the wounds were they think that he went around behind her and shot her again and that was actually the wound that killed her because it entered in through her back went through I think her left breast and went up through her jaw yeah and that's what killed her and then he came around the front and shot him in the shot him in the head her shot her in the head from there so that's what they think actually like went down which is gnarly
0: yeah it's really the It's shocking, but it's not surprising. Like, nobody's surprised by anything that the Murdaws are, you know, accused of at this point. Right. So by July, he pled not guilty, and his lawyers push for a speedy trial. And his lawyers are that Senator Harpootlian idiot, Dick, whatever his name is, and then Jim Griffin, another, like, highfalutin millions of dollars of attorney yeah so in december he was charged with another bunch of stuff related to the financial crimes like a zillion more charges which we're not going to go over because they're all like way too much but he's in deep shit for the stuff he was doing financially Like $8, $10 million bad stuff. Then the end of January this year, the murder trial of Richard Alexander Murda, aka Ellick, will begin because they push for a speedy trial. And we don't need to go over this trial in painstaking detail because we all watched the shenanigans unfold in real time. Yeah, we did. Or at least clips of it on TikTok. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Yeah, that's how most people watched it. Definitely. Yeah. So Alex's story from the beginning was he spent the afternoon with Paul at Moselle riding around. Then he asked Maggie to come home to Moselle from Edisto because his dad was sick and in the hospital. So she did. And when she got home, he says that he took a shower, they ate dinner together, and then he fell asleep in front of the TV and never went to the dog kennels with Maggie and Paul. He says he woke up at around nine ish and went to his mom's to check on her. He tried calling and texting Maggie to let her know that he was leaving to go check on his mom. And then he went and visited with his mom at Almeida but his dad wasn't there he was in the hospital it was just his mom and her caregiver there he then says he went home around 10 and that's when he found Maggie and Paul and that's literally been his story this entire time Like, from the murders until the trial. That's his story. The problem is, none of his stories that he's told, like, and his timeline, doesn't add up with what actually happened. Like, with what the cell phone data says or what anybody else says. You're right. He made up this whole story, and then when the evidence actually came
1: out, and he couldn't explain it. Yeah. You know, he kept trying to, and, you know, this guy just, he thinks that he's smarter than everybody else. Yes, he does. You know, So, this was just totally an ego thing, and for him to put himself on the stand, like we'll find out about, like this he put himself behind bars really
0: yeah so there was also like a blue raincoat found at his parents house that had GSR on it but the murder weapon was never found GSR is gunshot residue by the way I had to process that through my head so somebody might not know what that is oh gunshot residue yeah but the murder weapon was never found and no really like physical evidence like direct physical evidence to tie him to it was really ever found except like all the cell phone data showing the time that he was at certain places and the the times lined up more with what the caregiver was saying that he was not at his parents as long as he said a big point of that is that the time of death was 9 p.m. and according to all of this data he was still at Moselle at 9 p.m. so he could have done this yeah the big kicker though was this kennel video there was a video found on Paul's cell phone from the dog kennels the night of the murder at 8.44 and 43 seconds, which is, like, right before the estimated time of death. And about 3,456 people testified that it was Alec's voice on the... Recording. <laughs> Even though you couldn't see his face, they all said, yes, that's Alec's voice. Yes. Have you heard that yes. recording? Yes. And do you think it is?
1: Yes. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
0: yeah. There was still a chance, though, for at least a hung jury, maybe. I don't think an acquittal, but at least a hung jury, probably, because there was really no physical evidence tying him to this until Alec took the stand. And then this buffoon who thought he was smarter than everybody (laughs) took the stand and immediately you were like, oh yeah, that's totally his voice on the kennel video. Now he can't deny that that was him on the kennel video when he could have still been denying it. Did he know that they had that? He didn't know that. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Oh he did?
0: Um. Yeah. Well, at the point that he testified, yes. I don't know when he found out, but yes, at the point that he testified, the kennel video had been being shown the whole trial and everybody was testifying that it was his voice. And then he got on the stand and was like... Yeah, I'm a liar. It's like, what? (laughs) Like his testimony. It's pretty much what he had to say. Yeah, his defense was like admitting to everything except the murders. Yes, I lied about everything, but I didn't kill my wife. And it's like, what? Yeah, so he was sleazy and unlikable. Plus the fact that he was literally admitting to being a liar and giving the jury his voice to compare to the kennel video. But the nail in the coffin was he admitted it was him on the kennel video. When he was on the stand, he's like, yeah, it was me. I was there at 844. It's like yeah. your defense the whole time is that you never went to the kennels. He admitted it. He'd been lying for a year and a half about not being yeah. at the kennels. And then all and of a sudden. admits it. On the yeah. stand. He's like, yeah, it was me on the videos. And his lawyer was like, well, why would you lie about that? And he said some stupid shit about, oh, the tangled webs we weave or some dumb shit. Yeah, he quoted Shakespeare. He said, oh, the tangled web
1: we weave when first we practice to deceive. And- yeah. He got trolled for that. Everyone ran him through for that. Like, dude, you're not Shakespeare.
0: Well, I'll tell you why. Besides that you're not Shakespeare, it doesn't fucking explain why you lied in the first place, you dummy. Yeah. Like, they're asking why you lied about being at the kennels, and you're like, oh, it's because when I lied at the beginning, I had to keep lying. It's like, right, but we're asking you why you lied at the beginning. And he's like, oh, because I have a drug problem. It's like, that doesn't explain anything. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? So anyway, he pretty much nail in the coffin with this him testifying because besides the snotting and the lip smacking and the just being very unlikable, he literally admitted that it was him on the kennel video at the murder scene right before the murders. He really is very unlikable. Yeah. Super unlikable.
1: Yeah, it's pretty hard to, like, get in his corner because you don't feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, which is like, I don't understand how everybody's like, oh, he's so charming and that's why all these people do stuff for him. It's like, he must have dirt on all these people because he's gross
1: and he definitely doesn't have like the accent i would expect like that thick southern drawl i did not see that coming out of him and he just he lays it on thick yeah um
0: is he considered a family annihilator or no because he didn't kill his entire family i don't know what the criteria is for that because <laughs> he did google leave one he did leave buster yeah so i don't know yeah oh i don't, I don't...
1: google it It'll get on a list or something
0: i'll get on the list we're already on lists yeah so the jury took two hours to deliberate, and they took a lunch break in there too. So they took like eight minutes to deliberate, <laughs> and they came back with two guilty verdicts. He was sentenced to life in prison,
1: and I think they got it right. Oh you yeah, know? and and, and 100% I think they got it right. And I think him testifying really sold him on, like, oh. sold his ticket. Like, sent, what am I trying to say? Like, I stamped think it really like, ticket stamped his ticket like up the creek, man. Yeah, totally. you know, like he was uh, there was some doubt, honestly. And after that, like everyone was like, oh, yeah, no, this guy. Yeah, this guy
0: did it. Yeah. No, no question. So for me, there was not really any doubt. There was more doubt that they could get a conviction because it was like, yeah, we know he did it. But like there hasn't been any real proof that he did it you know, like real solid proof. Everything was real circumstantial. But then as soon as he started talking, I'm like, oh, this guy. Yeah, he did it.
1: Yeah, I know. There's just something about him where you're just like, oh, man, I don't like you. Yeah.
0: So it's not over for him either. The civil lawsuit is still going on since that had to be put on hold for this trial. And all of his financial crimes stuff is still a real big problem for him. Like he's going to have to answer to all of that stuff. And Sled is still investigating Stephen Smith's Death and Gloria Satterfield's death, so we'll see if uh any other murders go down for the next one that they get charged with there's been a
1: murder convicted of murder, yeah, and possibly more murders committed more murders allegedly possibly
0: well, little- maybe we have to be real careful with the allegedly this is a whole family full of lawyers. <laughs> It's all big, maybe. I don't know anything. Yeah. I was just saying. But that was happen. part of the reason why we wanted to wait until this trial was over because I wanted to be able to be like Alec Murdoch, is a fucking murderer, like he is now. Well, we he don't is, have to say allegedly, say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's convicted.
1: So I'm glad that I'm all caught up on this. Yeah,
0: I was really trying to avoid it for a long time. I know you were. Yeah, like I would see stuff about it and stuff. I was really trying not to get into watching the trial. Like, I just, I was really trying not to get into it. And then it just, it happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, it is interesting. Like, definitely to see like this type of a family
0: fall. Like, yeah, it's
1: captivating.
0: To me, the saddest part or the scariest part, I guess, is that this level of corruption feels very like 1970s small town. Like, it does. It it doesn't feel 2021. You know, like this feels like, like, this shouldn't be going on still. Like, we have so much technology. People shouldn't be getting away with this obvious level of corruption. Yeah,
1: but it had been going on for so long that, like, who knew it was even really corruption? No one was really checking on it. It was like, yeah, it's just things the way things have always been, and yeah, we'll just move along
0: like that Well, and the people that were involved in it were the people who should be checking on it <laughs> you know like uh, yeah even after the too. boat accident they you know they released the call logs from the murda's phones and everybody they called was law enforcement yeah department of natural resources that were investigating the crap like but they were like friends of theirs
1: makes sense yeah I mean, i'd call my friends too for help so
0: absolutely that's what i'm saying like so it's like those are the people though that should have recused themselves immediately because <laughs> they knew them yeah. And they didn't. So hopefully some of them go down for this corruption, too. And what they've done wrong in all these cases. I don't know. The solicitor that took over for Handsome when he retired in 2006 has been the same solicitor. His name is um something stupid. Stony Hinges or something. What's his name? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Duffy
0: Stone, I think. Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think it's Duffy Stone. Anyway, he's kind of in a little bit of hot water because he took like three and a half months to recuse himself from the murder investigation. And he's like real close with the murders So they're like, why would you wait that long to recuse yourself yeah. from this? Like Because nothing happened in this investigation until after he recused himself. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, Alec yeah. Murdaugh wasn't even arrested for a year after the murder. That's true. Yeah. So there's a lot of weirdness about that. I can't imagine if they just keep electing that guy as their solicitor, they're just asking for the corruption to keep going. I'm sure in some
1: kind of lawless land, you know, way back when, this would have just been swept under the rug and whoops.
0: But not today, man. They'll catch you. Yep. So anyway, that's uh, the very general gist of the Murda. Obviously, there's way more to it. <laughs> Well, I feel very generally jested. So thank you yes. for putting all that together. But there is so much you can... I mean, you could research this family for years. There's one reporter. She hosts a podcast called The Murdaw Murders. And it's been going... That podcast has been going for like two years or more. She's been investigating the Murdaws since the boating accident. So like four years now. And she's like every week has a new episode because there's new shit going on with these people. <laughs> so it's like if you're real into it then obviously you've probably already listened to that podcast but if you haven't you probably should there's a good place to go start i love when we shout out other podcasts that's cool yeah that's a great podcast she's like one of the only reporters that was like really on their shit during the first part of this trial like other media was still reporting like oh this good family is like being accused of bad thing, and they were buddy buddy with his lawyers and stuff and She was like one of the only ones that was like, these people are bad. Like, Pay attention. (laughs) Well, it sounds like the family up until this point
1: was pretty good. Like they had done some pretty good stuff. And then this bad guy came along and, you know, really soiled the bunch.
0: Yeah. Although it does feel like now that they're finding things from past, now that, you know, everything's under a microscope, maybe they probably weren't good. (laughs) But there just wasn't as much evidence 40 years ago, you know, a lot easier to cover it up if nothing else. Lawless land, man. Well, down here in Murda country, it was Murda law. <laughs> Murda law. Yeah. They were the only ones above the law. Everybody else had to follow their rules. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's enough of the the Murda's. I don't want to ever talk about this again. All right. Until we have to again. Well, until their next, next indictment. <laughs> That's true.
1: Um, I wanted to shout out Trickle Nickel 8824 for leaving us a five star rate and review and also Carnell for uh, leaving us a five star rate and review.
0: Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Except I'm almost positive that says Karen L. So thank you, Karen. Are we going to have a missing person next week, too? Oh, I almost forgot. We're going to have a missing person this week. So our missing person this week is Tina Snipes. She was 43 when she went missing, and she'd be 48 now because she went missing in August of 2018 from Edisto Island, where the Murdochs have their beach house. Tina had sandy brown hair, and she was last seen at the Easy Shop on Edisto Island. She had a couple tattoos and a couple of distinct features, so we'll post a picture of Tina on our Instagram, and we will see you guys next week.
1: All right. I love you.
0: I love you, too. All right. Night. Bye. bye. This podcast has been a production of Orange Halo Media LLC, hosted by Grand Narica. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. To chat with us, go to From Crime to Crime on Instagram, From Crime to Crime on TikTok, From Crime the Number 2 Crime on Twitter, or you can visit our website at fromcrimetocrime.com. See you next Wednesday.